from the tech sideline high-tech studios in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's Monday, January 8th, 2024, and this is TSL Today. We hope you enjoyed the new audio format of TSL Today as we shift toward a quick and easy news update on everything Hokie sports for your commute home. I'm your host, Carter Hill, and today we'll sit down with managing editor David Cunningham to recap one of the best finishes in Tech women's basketball history in number 13 Virginia Tech's come from behind victory over number three NC State. That's all coming up next on TSL Today. This episode of TSL Today is brought to you by The Hokie Way. The Hokie Way supports student-athletes in leveraging their name, image, and likeness to amplify the mission of charitable organizations as a way to give back to the community. Your contributions to The Hokie Way support Hokies NIL are tax deductibles. Visit thehokieway.org to learn more. All right, let's bring in our managing editor, David Cunningham, now into this thing. And and David, let's start with this. I, I just kind of bullet pointed some stuff today because I really just want to hit on some talking points. And the first thing I listed was instant classic. I mean, oh my goodness, 63-62, Virginia Tech over NC State. Liz Kitley hits the shot to win with nine-tenths of a second left in front of a sold-out crowd for the first time in the regular season in program history, probably one of the best finishes in Castle Coliseum history, and it's just not a game you're ever going to forget. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the crowd was phenomenal. I was worried the other day that with the weather coming in, which turned out not to obviously be as bad as once predicted, that the crowd was not going to be as good. That was not the case. The crowd was fantastic. Sold out crowd. That was, I was talking to a couple of tech staff, women's basketball staff members after the game, and you know they were asking me, what does this kind of crowd relate to? Like, in comparison, what is that like for a men's crowd? And I'm like, that's when Duke and Virginia come to town for the men. That's what you'll get on Big Monday this year when the men host Duke and UVA. Uh, f- fantastic crowd. And the game lived up to the hype. And I know Virginia Tech was down, and Tech trailed by as many as 13 in the third quarter, but never quite felt like Tech was out of the game. Now, Tech was never quite there for a lot of stretches. Like, like there was a point, like, you know, from about a seven-minute stretch from midway through the third quarter to, like, the beginning of the fourth. NC State led by double digits for just about that entire way. Um with 7.52 left, Madison Hayes hits a three. This is after Mimi Collins hits a three. Back-to-back possessions with three-pointers for NC State. NC State had shot 10 of 16 in the third quarter and started the second quarter 2 of 2 from behind the arc. And at that point, Tech's down 11. And I think that was its kind of like, oh, man, you know, this is danger zone for Virginia Tech. And this was a game that Tech hadn't led but had tied, and it had been close the entire way. And in the second quarter, it's a two-point game, and then it gets up to three-point game at halftime, and then then NC State's up 10, and then it gets back down. It's like it was back and forth, and then NC State started to pull away a little bit, and I think Tech started to struggle defensively. And then Virginia Tech had an eight-minute stretch for the ages. Yes, 
And we're going to hit on that eight-minute stretch, I promise, because there is a lot to dive into. But one more thing I want to hit on with the crowd, and to your point about the weather. After the pit game, what, it was over 6,000 people were at yeah. that game, and the Panthers were picked to finish dead last in the ACC. So not one of the marquee matchups in, the, in ACC play. But for NC State, you knew the crowd was going to be really, really good. And I was expecting somewhere between 7,500 and maybe 8,000, which obviously would have been insane. But the fact that it was sold out, and it like legitimately was sold out too. You could look up all the way up top in the corners, and it was completely full. I was talking to Anthony Romano after the game, and we were trying to compare it to some other games in Castle. It was uncomparable when you look at the women's side, in my opinion. Even the NCAA tournament last year. From a noise standpoint, and from like a, a pure passion standpoint as well, because with all due respect to Chattanooga and South Dakota State, it's not NC State in town. I think the difference was there was no students. That's also I, true. I, I think I think the students are louder in that regard. And the one thing about the crowd is I thought I thought the crowd was kind of quiet for most of the game. I thought it was you know loud in stretches, but like not consistently consistency ugh, consistently loud. You know, Tech's down ten and the crowd's very quiet, and then Tech starts to go on this run, starts to build up the instant classic vibe. <laughs> And with every single rebound, Georgia Amor talked about it yesterday. The crowd just kind of went up a decibel, went up a decibel, went up a decibel. And it got to the point where I, I walked out of the arena down to, or I walked down, down from my spot on press row down to the press conference room, to the media room after the game. My ears were like ringing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> this, this doesn't usually happen for, for women's games. And I tell you what, you were at Wake Forest on Thursday. Stark comparison. <laughs> there was not, a, there were Didn't like maybe 500 that. people there and they were probably all tech fans. Yeah. There. You know, and I, I, I mentioned this to you on Thursday. I said, man, it's actually kind of nice because you never get to like sit and hear yourself think mm -hmm. in these types of games. Yeah, that didn't happen. Very, very big comparison. But yeah, I mean, between... Between the crowd and between the run and between Elizabeth Kitley's final shot, just ver perfect, perfect way to end it for Virginia Tech. And this is a game that people are going to remember for ages. One of the crazier games I think you'll be able to remember for a long time. A lot of different reasons. Tech didn't lead, and you mentioned it. They didn't lead until with a minute and 28 seconds left to go. They were trailing 60 to 49 with 7.52 to go. They proceeded to finish the game on a 14 to 2 run and didn't allow a bucket until the one with two seconds to go. Obviously, that was a crucial stretch and it played a big factor in the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think some people might look at, we're, we're looking at this game. This game was getting national media attention early. And obviously it did afterwards, but I saw some people saying, man, I can't believe Virginia Tech is struggling against NC State without River Baldwin. NC State's starting centers out. Isaiah James was in foul trouble for NC State. People are like, how is Virginia Tech struggling? And I think the an simple answer was shots weren't going down. Tech was getting fine looks, just not making them. And then on the other end, NC State, Tech had switched to zone and NC State was starting to figure it out. And then Tech switched back to man and NC State kind of struggled there towards the end. But that eight-minute stretch, everything went right. Between defense, I thought I thought Georgia Amor and Elizabeth Kitley said it best yesterday. Tech wanted to get the ball on defense. Like, yes, Tech wanted to play defense, but shot went up. Tech 
Everybody on the floor for Tech wanted that ball, wanted to grab it, secure it, get the ball. 50-50 balls, rebounds. In a span of six possessions, Carly Wenzel and Karis Baker, two freshmen, one a, one a redshirt freshman, one a true freshman, had five rebounds. Kayla King had the other one in that stretch. The contributions Tech received in the other areas from, from them, obviously Karis Baker had two threes early in the game, but she had a block down the stretch. Tech played team defense. Tech was not perfect. Like, this Tech team probably shouldn't have been behind 11 points to begin with. And I think you, like, Elizabeth Kitley doesn't hit that shot, and it's a completely different narrative. You're looking at that three-pointer Georgia Amor took with 10 seconds left going, why did she take that so early? Tech mm-hmm. was leading. Yep. Why would you shoot it so early? Um, but it doesn't matter because of the way the game ended. And, and Virginia Tech... The fact that Tech was able to buckle down and not allow a basket for almost eight minutes is ridiculous. That just doesn't happen. No. And, you know, Westmore, NC State head coach, said, yeah, we settled. Okay, but NC State settled a little bit because of the way Tech was playing. And Tech's defensive intensity and the crowd helped. There were possessions where NC State looked lost. Because NC State was playing earlier and and kind of playing methodically and passing the ball around. And, oh, okay, well, it's not super loud in here. And then all of a sudden, a couple possessions later, Tech gets a bunch of stops. Tech cuts it to seven. and all or t- Tech cuts it, yeah, cut, t- cuts it to seven, cuts it to four. And all of a sudden, you're sitting here looking at it going... Oh my God, Virginia Tech's in this game. And the crowd just kept getting louder. And NC State, I think, just did not have that composure. And NC State's a good team. I think NC State's still a top five team in the country. Um, NC State is a very good team. But Virginia Tech did not have its best game and still was able to gut out a win. 13-point comeback. Fifth largest, tied for fifth largest under Kenny Brooks. Second largest ever comeback against a ranked team at Virginia Tech. That stuff just doesn't happen. It was the perfect storm, and and then there was the final play. Yeah, well, the moment, too, where you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, they're back in the game, was just under five minutes left. Georgia Amor hit that three to cut it to within four, and NC State used a timeout. At that point, you're like, okay. I pulled out these numbers, too. During that stretch of time, NC State was 0 for its next 10 from the 752 mark, and they finished 1 for 11 from the floor. You mentioned the final play. So let's let's take you through the final sequence. I don't know how you have not seen it yet if you're listening to this podcast, but we'll, we'll take you through it just in case. So Tech's up by one, seven seconds to go, timeouts left and right. I think there are four straight timeouts called, maybe three straight timeouts called between Westmore and Kenny Brooks. I think David's uh, looking that up real fast. There were, well, there were three timeouts back-to-back-to-back to back to back called before Saniah Rivers scored. Yes. And then... Tech called a timeout in Westmore, and NC State took a timeout. So, Sanaya Rivers drives the baseline. She went on top of, I believe, Liz Kitley and scored on the up and under. And all of a sudden, after fighting all the way back, you're like, oh my gosh, we're about to lose this game. Down by one with 2.1 seconds left. Kenny Brooks has a timeout. He uses it to advance the ball, which is a major factor in the women's game. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, he calls timeout. Kayla King inbounds. There's nobody guarding the inbound as well. Kayla King inbounds it in front of her own bench, throws it to Liz Kitley in the paint. 
Georgia Amor sets a perfect screen. Kitley scores with .9 left to go. Westmore didn't have a timeout, couldn't advance the ball, and at that point, the game was essentially over. If you're Westmore, I think you're kicking yourself for calling that timeout because it that made Tech... NC State, I guess, did not like... NC State didn't like what it what it saw from Tech. Georgia Amor was the inbounder, so Westmore switched some things around, and all of a sudden... Tech did too. Tech completely redrew that entire play. It was originally supposed to be Georgia Amor inbound the ball to Elizabeth Kitley, get the ball back, drive to the rim. Well, instead, Tech swapped it out and put Kayla King as the inbounder and then came back out of the timeout. And NC State's not face guarding her. And Georgia Amor, and I know NC State fans are, are complain- were mm-hmm. complaining that it was a moving screen. I don't think it was even really a... I know Amor kind of crossed her arms and like sort of set a screen, but it was more of her just kind of running and like holding her ground a little bit more. So a, an an actual screen, um, she did enough to just hold off the NC state contingent that was trying to swarm to Kitley. Beautiful pass, beautiful catch, beautiful lay in, I think tech fans thought it was over. So did the camera crew. So did the camera crew. So did some of the tech staff. Um, took a minute or two to, it took, it took a couple of seconds to settle everybody back down. And then tech just has to hold off for 0.9 seconds. NC state had a heave at the buzzer. Um, and you know, NC state again, doesn't have a timeout, but just perfect play design. This is second straight year against a team from North Carolina that Virginia Tech has had a game-winning basket against within the final few seconds. Last year against North Carolina, there was 2.1 seconds remaining. This Mm -hmm. year against NC State, 2.1 seconds remaining. Last year was Kayla King to Elizabeth Kitley coming off a Georgia Amor screen for a jumper that was good. This year, it was Kayla King to to Elizabeth Kitley coming off a Georgia Amor screen for a layup that was good. I mean, just you cannot draw it up any better than that no no i was gonna bring up the carolina game in chapel hill the big difference was if kitley doesn't hit that jumper in chapel hill we're going overtime yeah. if kitley doesn't hit the, hit the layup yesterday game's over yeah lose so i mean just the stakes could not have been any higher um obviously it's still early in the season but to start three and in conference play and you know, Kenny Brooks kind of touched on this quite a bit, actually, in his post game because, you know, one of the narratives nationally about Virginia Tech so far this year is, well, they lost to Iowa. They lost to LSU. They had yet to get that signature win, per se. And you already checked one off in ACC play. I think that's important. I think, you know, Tech jumped up two spots in the AP poll today, Monday, as we record this, um, to number 11. And people are going to complain, oh, Virginia Tech should be higher. Well, the teams in front of Virginia Tech all have one or two. One one loss or zero losses. That's important. Tech has two losses. Yes, they're the good teams. But Tech's right there. And I think it was important. I referred to it as, as a benchmark. This was kind of like Tech's midterm exam. Tech didn't exactly pass it with flying colors. But this was like Tech got enough extra credit you know, towards the end of the game, like, like, like tech had, there was a question at the very end. It was like tech started off an exam. I'm, ima- I'm imagining like, you know, like a Scantron form. And tech <laughs> got like the first like seven wrong. And then all of a sudden tech got 12 right to end it. And tech ends up, you know, acing the exam. Like this was kind of how the game went. Like it was back and forth. And um, 
Tech needed a good result here because the ACC is kind of uncharted territory right now. Teams are losing left and right. North Carolina looks real good. Syracuse looked good and then didn't. Notre Dame almost, you know, was taken to the wire by Pitt, who lost to Tech by 40. Miami, who comes to Castle on Thursday, beat Wake Forest by 30, who Tech, Tech, you know, basically took to the wire the other night. Um, Uncharted waters, kind of like the Wild Wild West a little bit. You need to to pick up marquee wins when you have them at home. This is, I mean, yes, like every game is more important as the year goes on. But like that was a, a crucial game. And who's to say if Virginia Tech doesn't lose that game, the fan support might not be the same. Sure. Come the next game. I tell you what. When Virginia Tech hosts North Carolina, when Virginia Tech hosts UVA, when Virginia Tech hosts Duke, you know, Louisville and Notre Dame don't come to Castle Coliseum this year. But like what North Carolina does, I guarantee you there's going to be a really good crowd for that one because Virginia Tech got a marquee win. I think it does more, not necessarily for Tech's resume, but for Tech's image. People look at Virginia Tech and go, damn, that's a team that, that just beat a really good team. Not as much as, you know, because like by, by, by the end of the season, NCAA tournament, Virginia Tech will have some wins. Yeah, yeah. That's just the way the ACC is. But people now are like, oh, man, this Virginia Tech team is for real. Tech is, Tech shouldn't have never left a conversation, but Tech's in the conversation. And Tech is going to be part of. And, and now you look at the rest of the ACC play, Tech kind of has a leg up on everybody. Tech doesn't have that one loss to deal with. Obviously, the, the road ahead is not easy. But if you lose that game, NC State's still unbeaten. Pretty big difference. And you you got three losses now. People are going to be, oh, Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech lost, if it's double figures, by double digits to NC State. You know, you lose to a team that was out with, with without one of its starters at home by double digits. Or you beat a team at the a beat a top five team at the buzzer at home. Which one sounds better? They're pretty big difference. Oh, absolutely. I, I think right now, again, like you said, the ACC is wide open in women's basketball. But right now, probably the three are NC State, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. Based on how Notre Dame has played so far. But you never know. And and Louisville is right there too. So yeah, this sets up well for Virginia Tech, and uh, Miami comes to town on Thursday, so an opportunity to to get another victory there. Don't forget about Florida State and Florida, Florida State Sunday. On, Florida State and Sunday. Tech, yeah, I, I you know, th- this is any chance you can get a win in ACC play against a good team, you'll take it. And you know, Virginia Tech has to go to Florida State. Virginia Tech has to go to Louisville. Virginia Tech has to go to Notre Dame. Virginia Tech has to go to Syracuse, who was a top twenty-five team before this week, um, you know, before getting knocked out, I should say, by North Carolina. There are a lot of games Virginia Tech plays against really good teams, and a lot of them are on the road or away from home. Getting the opportunity to do that in front of that crowd, which, by the way, fantastic. Great that they were able to turn it up at the end and be loud down the stretch because that's what tech needed and it kind of fueled tech a little bit but the crowd also stayed after the game people were getting autographs from liz kitley an hour afterwards you just don't see that like that's how much virginia tech has grown i I read you this stat before carter and i think it, it tells you 
how much this program has transformed under Kenny Brooks over the last couple of years. In 2020-2021, Virginia Tech blew five leads of double digits between Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, NC State, and North Carolina. Virginia Tech has blown one double-digit lead in the three seasons since then. That was LSU in the Final Four. That was an 11- or 12-point lead. But Virginia Tech, instead of being on the wrong end of having a lead and losing it, Virginia Tech is now on the, we're coming from behind and we're winning. Don't expect Tech to do that every game. Don't Mm -hmm. don't expect, I like, like, that that type of performance is crazy. And honestly, if I'm an NC State fan, I'm probably looking at it going, man, our team choked. <laughs> like, that's just kind of the reality of it. NC State, if you're NC State, why in the world, like, how in the world are you losing that game? How do you go scoreless in the last eight minutes? And <laughs> and that's a credit to Virginia Tech. And that's just how absurd of a game it was between the crowd, between the stakes. You just aren't don't I mean that's ACC basketball at its finest. That that like I said that's you you said it too. That's one of the best games in Castle Coliseum like I've ever seen. I've seen some really good games in there. Um I think of I think of the the Tyrese Radford uh the three overtime North Carolina game, the shot that Tyrese Radford hit. Uh, I think of MJ Collins last year against Duke and this is just recent memory hitting mm-hmm. him hitting that shot. Um I think of the the Chris Clark again against Duke. Um, you know the the women have had a couple signature moments here, and they played NCAA tournament games in Castle, but aren't as many that will be as well remembered as this one. Like I'm trying to rack my brain while I think about it, and like nothing stands out. I guess like last year's North Carolina game, like. But that wasn't Tech scoring at the end. That was Tech playing defense at the end to win. De'Aja Gregg stealing the ball. Great play, but not something that everybody's like, oh, yeah, like... A shot to win. A shot to win it. Like, people are going to remember it. And and people, like Kenny Brooks said yesterday, people are going to keep coming back. People are going to be like, when is the next Virginia Tech game I can go to? And that is that is awesome because going to that Iowa game in Charlotte, going to see Tech play at LSU... Like those are places that people care about women's basketball. Virginia Tech is becoming that. Already is partially, but is becoming more of that. Should be a normal week on TSL. So I'll, I'll get this from you. But what's coming up on TechSideline.com this week? As the Hokies have a lot of home games this week on both the men's and the women's side. It's very nice. Uh, first time in a while, Virginia Tech has been at home basically all week. Uh, three home games, one game on the road. That's the women um, on Sunday at Florida State. Lots of good stuff coming up on TechSideline.com. Um, I've got a three-takeaway story from the women's basketball game from Sunday, NC State, that's posted. Um, kind of talking about the th- some of the things we, we just talked about, but in a little bit more detail, a little bit about Carly Wenzel and Karis Baker, more um, about just how different this program is, 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 is now, um, coming from behind instead of blowing leads. Um, and... I'll, we'll have some men's basketball stuff coming up. Obviously, the men are at home. They got a top twenty-five Clemson team on Wednesday, uh, and then they've got Miami uh, at home on Saturday. That's not an easy week no, by by uh-uh. any stretch. Um, the women at Miami at home on Thursday, and they're at Florida State. So, plenty of 
plenty of basketball content coming up. Uh, Will and Chris will have some some stuff as well, and I'm sure Chris, you know Chris will have some some football stuff. Um, quiet time of the year for that sport, which is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, just basketball, a lot a lot of basketball stuff coming up. Hopefully. Um, there's a good crowd for for both of the men's and women's games this week. Um, I think the most impressive part again, no students. Tech does that without students. You know, imagine Tech plays North Carolina here and the students are back. Mm-hmm. Like like this impressive, even more impressive because there weren't as there weren't a thousand students there. Like fans had to show up and sit in that section, and did. And and I'm really excited just to kind of see what what this means going forward. Michigan or Washington tonight. Washington. Mm, I'm gonna take Michigan. I'm gonna take Michigan. I think Washington has the best quarterback. Michigan you know, number is the one. Best team. You know, number one seed has never been a number two seed in the national championship game in the college playoff era. Really? Okay. Well, maybe tonight will be the first. So, PKs tonight. I'm excited about it. So, um, David, appreciate your time as always, and uh, should be a fun week. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. That was David Cunningham. I'm Carter Hill, and that was your Monday installment of TSL today. <laughs> <laughs>